Hi, and welcome to my podcast, The Only Girl on the Job Site. I'm glad you found me. I'm Renee Beery, and I love empowering women to take on home projects, both large and small. I have been the only girl on the job site for the past 27 years, and I have seen it all. The good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. With my help, I hope you will be able to avoid the mistakes I've seen in the past and go into your project confident and knowledgeable about the industry so that your project is as smooth and successful as possible. Hi, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. So as I'm recording this in early May of 2021, I thought it was really important to go over the largest issue my industry is dealing with right now. And therefore, if you're a consumer, you by default are dealing with right now. And that is the extraordinary lead times that furniture, furnishings, lighting, everything to do with my industry is now dealing with. So if you're an interior designer listening to this, I know you have been pulling your hair out as much as I have, and I'm sure you and your team have been spending an inordinate amount of time tracking down open orders or searching for items that are, quote, in stock, whatever that means right now, which we'll get into, and everything in between. And then, unfortunately, making the phone calls that you never wanted to make to your clients to say how far out their items are, and then dealing with the repercussions. Now, I have been very fortunate that my clients have been patient. I have spent a lot of time educating them along the way, blow by blow, as the blows keep coming, as they do. And they have understood that this is simply out of all of our control. That doesn't mean they don't want their items faster. That doesn't mean that they're not frustrated. It means that they understand that this is a global issue and not a Renee Devigne design issue or the manufacturer making their sofa issue. So to get into this a little bit further, we need to take a step back and My industry has always had lead times, right? I mean, everything in particular that I do is custom made. So if I'm making a sofa for a client, it's not sitting on a factory floor waiting for me to call it in, right? It is maybe the frames are pre-made. Some of my manufacturers will inventory frames. Some don't. The fabric that my client chose, maybe it's in stock, maybe it's not. All that being said, we used to be able to very concretely estimate timelines. And that started to change back in 08 when we had the downturn of the economy. And what I noticed the most and the fastest was the lack of inventory. So while some small companies did go out of business, they couldn't sustain the downfall and the length of downfall, most of the companies that survived changed their business model and in particular in the fabric world. So fabric companies used to bring in tons of inventory. So they would hold hundreds and hundreds of yards of each SKU number. And so when I called and I needed, say, 19 yards, sure, no problem, in stock, it'll be, now I will forewarn you, in stock means it's sitting somewhere in typically one of the Carolinas states, and it would take two weeks to get to my workroom or to me. 
And yes, they still consider that in stock, which I know in the Amazon Prime world, in stock means in your hands within two days. That doesn't exist in my world. So what was happening was I would then call for those same 19 yards. And while they may have it in pieces like two yards and three yards and their grand total might be 19 yards, most of the time that's not usable. If you're doing a larger piece of furniture, you can't have it obviously sewn together like a patchwork quilt. So we started noticing in my side of the industry that the inventories was low. Now, it doesn't mean they couldn't get the product. What it meant was it was typically at the mill. Now, because of the world we live in, most of the mills are overseas. So that same 19 yards may have been in stock at the mill, but that's going to add several weeks to the equation. And so we sort of adjusted our timelines, right? So we would tell a client, okay, what we may have been able to get in two weeks might be three or four. That's not really, in my world, that's not a deal breaker because, you know, furniture can take up to 12 weeks. So three weeks, four weeks, adding one or two weeks on to a timeline didn't spook anyone. I actually don't think I have remember a single client who reselected a fabric because of that. But that sort of began this slow ball rolling in my industry as far as getting product in hand. And that's the goal of every interior designer, get the product in hand in the client's home, and then move on to the next client project. So then fast forward again to 2019, when the US put tariffs on the exports from China. And I know everyone's saying to themselves, well, at least my clients were saying to me, well, that shouldn't affect us. You know, I don't buy things from China. And this one woman in particular stood there in front of me and I looked at her and I thought, she'd probably be naked if she didn't buy things from China right now. Because of course, most of her clothing or a good portion of her clothing was probably made in China. And, and I pointed this out to her. I said, now, listen, you know, you'd be amazed how much we get from China and use in our country. And it may not specify it down you know, on the label, but that doesn't mean that there aren't parts and pieces that are in whatever product we're talking about made in China. And she sort of, you know, brushed it off. And admittedly, some of the things we've been using from her were coming from mainland Europe. But nonetheless, I can assure you, she had products made in China, either in her home, on her body, in her car, you name it, they're just everywhere. So that started another creep in my industry. We saw maybe, I think the tariffs went into effect in uh, late summer. And I think by fall, early spring of the next year, we started getting the emails from the vendors. Hey, we've absorbed the, you know, the tariffs as long as we can, but we now have to start passing them on to you. So prices started creeping up a little bit, 3%, 5%. And again, not enough to really change any selections, not enough to make a client say, nope, now you've gone too far. We got to find something that doesn't come from China. So again, it was just another little piece to this larger puzzle. And we all kind of moved on and got used to those new items. So then what happened, we all know, is COVID. And the beginning of COVID created major shutdowns in China obviously. 
And how did that affect us initially? Because manufacturers and companies were shut down in China. Well, to the homeowner, it didn't really impact them much. They didn't quite realize the domino effect that this would create. And and when it immediately started was in the shipping industry. And any product that comes overseas comes in those large metal containers. And so if the products weren't being fabricated in China, then the ships weren't coming over with containers. Now, think about this. A ship coming out of China full of goods, whatever that may be, it may have nothing to do with my industry. It arrives in one of our ports. It then gets emptied. And then it doesn't go back empty. We then fill it and send our goods back. So you can imagine if the containers aren't coming over from China, then we don't have the empty containers to send our products and export our products out to wherever. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going straight back to China. So this slowly started to become a problem. So then what happens when there's a shortage of containers? The cost of the containers go up. So I have seen numbers where the average container was costing between $2,000, $3,000. They're now going for $7,500, $8,000, up to $10,000 to ship these products because there are, there's a greater demand and fewer inventory. So you can imagine what this is doing to the economy. So the big guys can obviously afford to absorb those costs. The middle-sized guys are going to try it for a while and see how long they can sustain that extra cost. And then the little guys probably got shut out entirely because that kind of increase is, is crippling to a small business. So you all of a sudden have that issue with just the containers, just simply moving product from point A to point B. Now you take a look at our factories here in the States, we implemented all of our safety protocols, right? You have the six foot spacing on manufacturing lines. Well, as you can imagine, fewer people could work a certain shift because of these new protocols. You had Cleaning protocols. Well, those are hours out of the day that whole areas had to be cleaned. And then you had the shutdowns. You know, if, if someone tested positive for COVID, you have all of these ancillary people around them that have to go out and quarantine because of contact tracing. So you have all of these issues sort of broiling all at the same time, but in really different parts of my industry, right? So you have a furniture company who can't produce as much product as they did pre-COVID, but then once they do produce the product, they can't get it to the end user because of the shipping issues, right? So you had this all going on. And trust me, we in the design business, we knew about this all along. I mean, our our vendors are really good at keeping us abreast of the issues that they were facing. And that, of course, knowledge is power. That helped us educate our clients. Now, I'm not sure clients were really focusing on how, again, it impacted them, because I know everybody kind of thinks locally, not globally, when they're talking about their own home. But again, we just keep sharing the knowledge and laying it out there so people can understand and appreciate what the world is dealing with, what my industry is dealing with. And then, as if things weren't bad enough, in January, a California-bound cargo ship hit some bad weather coming over from Asia, and 750 containers were lost at sea. 
750 containers. You know how large those containers are. They said they that that ship, they estimate, was carrying over 4,000 containers total full of furniture cargo. I kid you not. They said most of the top vendors were Amazon, Ikea, and Williams-Sonoma. So can you imagine how many pieces were, are currently sitting at the bottom of the sea? So, okay, now that's a standalone issue. And I, my heart bleeds for Amazon, Ikea, and Williams-Sonoma for A, trying to figure out what was on those specific 750 containers and who it was meant to go to or their warehouses or whatever. So, okay, you think, well, that's a one-off, Renee. Okay, so I didn't order anything from there. Okay, fine. So you go forward a couple more months. And at the end of March, I'm sure a lot of you saw on the news that there was a container ship stuck in the Suez Canal, right? That main thoroughfare called the Suez Canal. So believe it or not, that stacked up over 450 ships for almost four weeks. Because once I think the ship was stuck for six whole days, that's how much that triggered a backup because they obviously got that ship unstuck, but then they had that basic traffic jam sitting on the water. So again, you've been waiting all this time and then one ship gets stuck and the domino effect is just tremendous. So you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, the containers on the bottom of the ocean don't impact me and the Suez Canal, well, that's all been resolved as well. Okay. Do you remember the bad weather that Texas and Louisiana sustained with the freeze? Okay. Believe it or not, I watched that. I have family that live in Texas and they were very much impacted by the freeze and they're outside of Dallas. And the Interesting part was, as I was watching this, I had no idea and would never have assumed that it would impact me, right? I'm in Delaware. And believe it or not, it's impacting me as I'm speaking to you right now. So what people don't realize is foam, which it goes into all furniture, is made up predominantly by a chemical called propylene oxide. Now, I hope I'm not butchering that name, so I apologize if I am, but that's basically its main ingredient. And I now know way more about this one ingredient than I thought I ever would. So a tiny bit of education. I researched this, and there are three main companies in North America that produce this chemical, which again is the main ingredient for foam. Now, of those three companies, they have five physical plants and four of them are in Texas and Louisiana. So what happened was the freeze shut down. First, it closed all the refineries. But because for whatever reason, they did not see this storm coming or the severity of it, they didn't shut down their plants proactively. So while they were under production, they got shut down. And there's a difference between proactively shutting down and obviously shutting down mid-production. So if they proactively shut it down, they can proactively just turn everything back on, go through their checks and systems, and be back up and running. Well, this went down while they were under production. So everything stopped. All their lines were full of materials and chemicals, what have you, when it all got shut down. So in order to turn it back on, they needed power. And power was out for days, I believe even almost a week. 
So their actual startup required assessing all lines, and then they could only do a slow startup to be certain that there weren't going to be any problems. This can last days and weeks in order to do that. Okay, so what that meant was they were working at about half capacity for, they estimate, four to six weeks. Now, we're still in the throes of this, people. This, as I'm telling you, is not over. So you're saying to yourself, okay, well, this is interesting, and now I sort of get it, but now it's just foam. What is the big deal? Well, the factories that need the foam have had unprecedented orders, which is great for that industry, right? It's great for my industry. People are stuck in their homes. They have discretionary income because they're no longer traveling, eating out at restaurants, uh, doing outdoor activities that you know, cost money, whether it's kids sports, etc. They're stuck in their homes. They're realizing what they hate. They're online and they're ordering. So here you have this Bermuda Triangle of high demand in furniture, COVID restrictions in manufacturing, and insane shipping issues, and now you have no foam. Can you see how this trifecta is just mind-blowing? And no one, no one could have predicted this. So, for instance, just as an example, I, of course, have furniture orders in in the system stemming back, you know, weeks. So I use a mid-size furniture company in North Carolina. And in quote normal days, they run about six to eight weeks in production, right? That's amazing. Most of the big guys are 12 weeks. And and I use them for that reason and also because I love supporting a mid, small mid-size company. And so when COVID hit, of course we expected longer lead times. And they did right? We got emails and they said, okay, we're now at 12 weeks, some items. And they, you know, identify which types of items would be closer to 14 weeks. And I thought, oh boy, that's amazing. They've already doubled their lead times. Think about that people, what they could produce in six weeks. They now could only produce it in 12 to 14. Okay. We absorbed that. We put the word out to all of our clients. Again, it didn't dissuade anyone from purchasing. Guess what? Fast forward to the foam crisis. They are now at 24 weeks. They've had to double their lead time again in what? A year and a half. So what used to be a year and a half ago, I could get to my warehouse in about eight weeks will now take probably closer to 25. And I know people are thinking, hmm, okay, well, guys, that's six months, right? You have 52 weeks in the year, 26 weeks is a six-month mark. It's about six months to receive furniture. It's unheard of. It's truly unheard of. And I spoke to my rep last week. We were talking about another item. And I said, how is it going? And she said, Renee, we just don't know what to do. She said, this is no longer COVID issues. She said, last week alone, we received enough foam for only two and a half days worth of work. That's it. So whatever they normally order, they can't get. They're being allocated a certain amount simply because there isn't enough to go around. So after two and a half days worth of work, they had to send many of their team members home because there wasn't anything for them to do. Can you imagine that? Having just come through COVID and wanting to ramp up build back all of the losses that they have just sustained only to hit 
a foam shortage crisis. So I know nothing I'm saying is very uplifting. And I get that and I apologize. But I really want people to understand just how globally connected we are. And so things that are happening around the world truly do impact what's going into your living room or your dining room or your kitchen. And so when you're listening to the news and you hear of things like tariffs and shortages and shipping problems, I want you to now think, okay, this is going to impact me. I'm not sure why. And it may not be because you are ordering a sofa from your interior designer. It may be something that you're buying at Best Buy or something you're buying at the grocery store. This permeates all industries. I just obviously feel it the most in mine. So a client said to me, well, when do you think this will end, Renee? And I told her the most frustrating thing about it is I don't see an end in sight. Now, of course, the foam will get back up and going. Some people are saying third quarter of 2021, by the time it's truly caught up. I I hope it's earlier than that, um, but I don't know. Now, everyone is trying to do their part to resolve this chaos. For instance, High Point Market, located in North Carolina, is held twice a year, and it's the big furniture accessories show that everybody goes to from around the country. Now, it's typically in April and October, but this year, of course, because of COVID, they moved the April show to June. And I've lost count how many furniture companies have emailed me to say that they're not going, which I can tell you is unprecedented. That is where they sell the majority of their product. Their emails are saying they're not going because they don't feel ethically they should be trying to sell more product when they can't fabricate the orders they already have. So while I'm sure that was a painfully hard decision to make, as someone who's a part of the industry and who needs their product, I applaud them for making the hard decisions and not putting more orders and therefore hope into their already clogged, overclogged, overwhelmed systems. So will that help? I have a feeling it will. I've also heard some of the bigger manufacturers aren't opening new accounts. Again, trying to hold back on any future orders. Now, how long they will do this? How long will they sustain these shutdowns? How long will they sustain these order freezes? I don't know. Time will tell. It will likely be based on their income projections, which I can't blame them for. But I think in the meantime, we just need to practice our patience. I am not telling you this to turn you off from ordering anything because these manufacturers do need that income, those that are taking on new orders. But I always like to educate people so that when they do take that leap and place an order, they understand what exactly they're signing up for. So if they're going to order something today, their expectations are set properly, knowing that it's likely going to be six months before they see it. Now, if it comes in at 20 weeks and not 24 weeks, bonus. But make it be a bonus and not an expectation. Because I can assure you, after all we've been through the last year and change, 
no one wants to deliver more bad news to a client or a buyer or what have you. So my hope for all of this is that as things improve, obviously timelines will shorten and people will get their product sooner. But in the meantime, patience, patience with your interior designer, patience with your furniture stores, patience with your workrooms, patience with almost anyone is greatly appreciated and quite frankly, will help speed up this process because everybody works better when they feel good and not beaten down. So I hope this was helpful. I know it wasn't filled with great news, but it is news and it is newsworthy to go over and break out so everybody can be on the same page. Because as I was talking to the same client, because she knew about the Suez Canal and obviously COVID, but quite frankly, she had never heard about this foam shortage and she never really pieced it all back to the 2008 economic downturn as to why these things have been creeping up along the way. And when I did explain it all to her, she wasn't less anxious about getting her furniture, but she was more understanding of why. And I think that is the critical piece to understand the why helps people set proper expectations. So let me know if you have any other questions about this. And as things improve, maybe I will add them into a podcast or two so everyone can appreciate the upturn when it does happen. I wish I could tell you exactly when, but I will try to keep you informed so that you're fully informed about what's happening globally, which is impacting you locally. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to our next time together. Thank you so much for listening. Feel free to reach out to me. You can email me or direct message me through social media, and we can start a conversation about what it is you're going through right now. That will also help me come up with other ideas for future podcasts that I can share with everyone, as I assure you, we're all in the same boat together. I would really appreciate it if you would subscribe to my podcast and leave me a review. If you would like to find out more about me and what I can do, please go to my website, www.devignedesign.com. Thanks for listening, and I hope to hear from you soon.